And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, your host and founder of Marknology here on the Startup Hustle. Uh, excited about our guests as always, but that's because we're bringing you the best in the industry and um, super excited to talk about his path, which kind of started somewhat close to mine uh, and has evolved and uh, we're actually in business together. So I thought it's really fun to talk to um, someone in that space that's approaching it a little bit differently and how you're helping people in our space uh, and getting into those details. So Sam, before I introduce you, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, we uh, just before we got on air, we were talking a little bit about you know your your beginnings because we've just been introduced maybe the last I don't know if it's been six months uh, or a year or so. Time just flies for me, uh, and. But I want to I want to know kind of your background before we just jump into like, you know, Dash applications and what you're doing right now. Um, tell me about yourself. Where are you located? You know, uh, how old are you? How long have you been an entrepreneur or co-founder? Uh, give me just a little background on Sam. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I'm we're located out of Denver, Colorado. So um, there's, you know, a pretty decent startup space here. We, we've got really smart folks coming out all the time. And you know, always that kind of revolves around where's the capital, you know, for startups to be able to kind of pop up. And, and we've got some good funds out here. Um, you know, obviously Techstars is based in Boulder. So there's a pretty good community of startup uh, entrepreneurs around here. And, uh, you know, as, as far as I go, I, I've always kind of wanted to be in the startup space. But mm -hmm. as you guys, as probably everybody listening to this knows, you realize that wanting to be in it and actually being in it are two very different things, you know? And, uh, I, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, probably in the podcast, but you know, I, I when I came out of college, it was, I had done an entrepreneurship degree and an accounting degree okay. and, uh, accounting was because the entrepreneurship wasn't going to actually get me a job. You know, the accounting degree was, Hey, you got to have some skills. You got to be able to do some things, uh, in the real world. And so that, that's the path I took knowing full well that I was, pretty shite accountant all, all, all in said, you know, so, but it got my foot in the door um, with a couple different companies. And I actually took some leaps of faith. You know, I, I went out and worked in New York city for a, a brand new fledgling startup and helped raise money for that one um, and raised a pretty significant seed round of funding, got it up and going for a social activation uh, platform, and then moved out to LA to do some coding um, just to learn a little bit of computer science and enough to be dangerous to be able to build some products, knowing that I kind of wanted to be more on the product building side. Um, okay. You know, I wanted to take active part in that. And, you know, I, as much as you want to be an entrepreneur, I think, one thing that really has held true for me uh, since the very beginning is that you you have to have a unique perspective on something, you know, yeah. and you really have to have some skills and and, and a perspective that allows you to uh, actually be the right person to build it. Because um, I'm I'm a true believer that the right people end up building the products that exist today, um, and you really have to find that fit for yourself. You know, is is what what do I actually have a deep expertise in that I can provide a unique vantage point from, um, and build something that's actually really useful and and solving a pain point for for something that I've maybe experienced, and, and that's you know the really kind of the jumping off point. And that's very much the exodus of, or I guess the genesis of Dash, rather, you know where we were deep into the Amazon game and uh, from the agency side of things, helping brands and, and doing different things on the platform, you know, really geeking out over the data and realized that, you know, we, we probably could help a lot of people do a lot of the things that we were trying to do. Uh, so that's how I kind of got into uh, startups. I, I've been in startups since, you know, I graduated college, uh, you know, 10, 10 ish years ago. Uh, and, you know, never as the founder, though, really kind of as the right hand man or, mm -hmm. you know, just the, you know, somebody trying to run operations. And, 
you know, until you really feel like you can tackle it for yourself uh, and you, until you really feel like you've been in the trenches and you understand, you know, the, the ecosystem of what you're trying to solve for. Uh, I think that's, that's the point at which I knew I was ready to take the leap and really try to build something uh, with, with my co-founders that I have uh, with Dash. Yeah. So let's go into Dash. Um, you know, tell us what, what Dash is. And then I want to talk about, um, you know, your similarities and like how doing what Marknology does, the agency side, mm. you know, set you up to be ready for Dash because, you know, we've had conversations, me, you and your other co-founder, Todd, uh, about, I've tried to build the, the dashboard that I now have for our clients. And I, this is actually my third time. Um, I tried with, uh, man, I tried some of those real data driven, uh, Tableau. Okay. Tableau um a whole bunch of things i've been in this industry for nine years so the software and everything is catching up and you know yeah. it's something i wanted for a long time you've done what i was trying to do that's why i made the switch uh but before we in the need for that and i just want to you know talk to anyone that's listening that might have that need and understand what your stuff can do let's talk about dash applications just a little bit what have you guys built over there yeah, it's it's it was a pretty natural progression, honestly, Andrew. I mean, we we were helping build a couple different Amazon agencies here in Colorado, a division within a much larger digital agency, uh, a native kind of Amazon agency uh, based out of Boulder, and we were always looking for opportunities to make it more efficient. Knowing that you know there were tools out there for brands that were selling on the platform, but they were really focused on the problems of a single brand trying to scale through the platform and. Mm-hmm. On the agency side, you know, there's a lot of other dynamics and pain points that get created where you're trying to manage multiple accounts and different brands that all have different initiatives and all have different goals that they're trying to hit. And there just weren't a lot of tools built out, especially from the Amazon side. You know, Amazon isn't making a concerted effort to build tools for agencies specifically. And so, you know, we were always working on things through the agency, um, you know, as we were trying to, you know, make our reporting more efficient, as we were trying to get better analytics, as we were trying to get better visibility and data to, you know, I guess the levers that we were trying to pull for folks and, and to help them grow. And so, over time, you know, we started building different tools and then eventually realized that, you know, we had enough, uh, enough of a runway really to just kind of take off and, and dedicate to the Dash uh, platform entirely. Um, and, and it really started with the analytics that we were doing, kind of some of the things that you mentioned. We, we have some unique perspectives in how we look at the data and that as largely due to our finance backgrounds. I mean, Todd was a was a former finance master's. He's worked in big corporate Whirlpool and then was at Amazon headquarters for six years, working on the hands off the wheel program and doing a lot of supply chain automation and things like that. Um, and, and really, I came from the accounting side where, strangely enough, I was using Excel a ton. Um, I was doing things like bridging financial periods, period over period, where we're trying to identify drivers of change. Strangely, that that actually translates really well uh, to Amazon as you're trying to figure out what's actually driving performance within, within an account. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we started. We started building kind of more of the complex analytics along the way. Uh, we realized that that wasn't the first order need, you know, for agencies in particular, the first order need was that they were spending four, five, six, seven hours uh, on a single client just to get the data pulled and reporting generated on a you know biweekly or monthly basis. Like, man, well, we already have all this data that we're pulling from the APIs in order to feed our analytics tool. What if we just turn around and open that up to our customers? And, you know, we, we kind of knew early on that that probably would be a pretty good idea. Number one, because we needed it, you know, when we were on the agency side. Number two, because one of our early partners was like, hey, can you get us this? We'll, we'll pay you to build it. And we're like, man, if I've ever felt market pull before that, that was it, you know, like we'll pay you to do something. And we're like, okay. Let's start there. Um, and that was really kind of the, that was the very beginning of what it, what has eventually become our data studio solution, which is Amazon data kind of on steroids, where we do, you know, we pull the raw API data on behalf of our customers, um, put it in a MySQL database that is relatively ubiquitous, meaning, you know, you can connect to it with a Google data studio platform, Tableau, Zoho Analytics, any reporting platform that you're kind of working with very easily connects just on the basis of a host name, password, things like that. Um, And you're up and running on the API data without ever having to write a line of code 
for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was kind of the, that was the gist is like, look for agencies that can't or don't have the resources or time internally to get tapped into this data, but really need it to improve their processes, get more efficient and get better insights, you know, out of the data, we could make that possible. So we started there and then we realized too, that that data coming out of the API, just raw like that is not super useful because there's a ton of things that just don't make a ton of sense. And the documentation is pretty poor and, Oh, by the way, it doesn't even directly translate to what you're seeing in the platform itself. So we do a lot of translation, standardization, scrubbing of that data to make it really useful across tables and, and be able to, you know, analyze multiple clients or, you know, look at different marketplaces very quickly. And not to mention we're doing things in the data where we're like bringing together, you know, keyword targeting and product attribute targeting that come out completely separately in the API, but for all intents and purposes are the same thing. And you want to compare that performance on a apples to apples basis. And so, you know, those are the things we're always thinking about is like, look, what are the questions that our users are trying to answer? Let's make the data structured in a way that, uh, that makes that possible very quickly. Um, and the, yeah. And the, the big thing is what you started with that your customers are, agencies right yeah. versus uh those individual brands and that was something that i those softwares were made for private label people yeah uh at the beginning uh and you know i've seen them come and go and it was always trying to use those tools for the benefit of our sellers um but either pushing those costs on them because it's one at a time or you know for me it's been i understand the data i have a computer science background uh, that's my degree uh, as well as I grew up overseas playing games, uh, you know, and puzzles and strategy games and those kinds of things like that gamification to Amazon, uh, as far as understanding algorithms and patterns and puzzles has been, you know, something I, I had a strength as a kid even. Uh, so you mix those kind of together with, uh, I was in a band and touring and really creative as well. So I'm kind of this hybrid, uh, techie, but like that's creative and uh, Amazon's a perfect fit for me. E-commerce is a perfect fit for me. And I understand that data. We've, you know, in the way that we interpret all the data and the way that we do things on Amazon at Marknology, we call it the Marknology effect. Really what that is, is just, you know, it's a marketed way to say um, of all the data we're collecting, of all the things we do, the way we interpret it, the way we compare it, the way we're using it, um, our process is called the Marknology effect. And, you know, it's very repeatable in that way. Uh, and you know, it's really hard to be a, I mean, I'm sure some of the stuff you just said about dash went right over some people's heads, like just, okay. And especially if they don't understand what's Amazon data, like, you know, well, that's, you know, it's, uh, if we're talking about advertising, that's keyword data, it's, you know, competitors, uh, products that we're showing up on in layman's terms, it's, um, click through rate, it's sessions, it's conversion rate, it's ROI, it's a cost, it's um, trends, it's, you know, that's what we're talking about when we say data. And if you're spending money, you want to know where it's going. Mm. Right. So, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot, if you have a, a decent size agency, you've got a lot of brands saying, where's my money going? Right. And so as an agency, for me, it was I like focusing on the work and not on meetings and reports. And how can I make this data tell a story to our customers, to yeah. our brands, to our clients? And um, taking like being a tech, tech is so important and the data is so important, but it needs to tell a story and you need to be able to translate that to a brand owner or that e-commerce manager, that VP that's, that's on the other side of that relationship. And that's one thing that Dash has been helping us do at Marknology um, is bridge that gap and essentially take like what's super complicated uh, for, you know, for an agency or someone that's managing it and help you bridge that conversation, even with visuals. You know, there's a difference between an Excel sheet and an Amazon interface uh, versus like, you know, what we've created with Dash uh, in regards to maybe it's multiple countries we're looking at and we want to look at them individually. And how do we get a holistic picture? Our data goes back almost double uh, that Amazon does, you know, and, and these are all different things that you can specialize. Um, but I like talking to the the facts of like how that actually impacts what we do. And I know that Dash will continue to grow and offer, you know, new features and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, for us, 
what we have in our heads is, you know, Marknology's worked with 300 plus brands. We're not working with one brand that we got really successful with and know everything about that brand. We've worked with 300 plus. As an agency, I want to know as a trend, what's working, what's not working, what's it looking like across all my accounts? Is this specific? Is this a specific issue to this brand or this client? Um, and that kind of stuff without spending hours and hours of work is just impossible with something like with, without a, a dash um, to kind of stand in the middle and help us make that you know, that those learnings, we're trying to get to the next level of learnings instead of a, a case by case basis. Um, and tools like this that are popping up in the industry are, are super awesome for someone like me. Um, that's been nerding out on Amazon data, Excel sheet by Excel sheet for for nine years, you know, it's, it's a lot, of, it's yeah. a lot of fun for me. And I try not to geek out too much. But um, data is everything when it comes to decision making. And as an entrepreneur, I think that's what's at the top of a founders list, you make decisions, and you prioritize every single day. You're making decisions. You need to be in the best headspace or have the best data to make good decisions as often as possible and reprioritize, you know, what you need to focus on. So it took a minute, um, but I like, and, I, and I'm, I, Sam's not paying me to say this, but um, Dash has been awesome for Marknology and I think uh, provide a lot of value to our clients. Uh, got great feedback on on what we've been providing for them. Um, and, and super helpful. So we've talked about what Dash does, uh, you know, a little bit. What do you see as as next and, and what are you guys working on on there in Colorado? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it changes every day. We're, we're <laughs> first of all, Andrew, I know you got a lot on your plate, but if you ever want to come, you know, over to the Dash team, like you could probably sell it better than I could at this point. So I appreciate it. I mean, but I, th I think that's what's so rewarding for us is that, you know, we have founders like you that are really asking and trying to get answers to the right questions. And, and that's ultimately what we're trying to facilitate with everything we do. So, you know, we started with the advertising data uh, because that that API was the most stable. Um, we had a pretty good purview into, into how it worked and how to use the data. Um, and there were a lot of agencies that needed it. We've moved on since then to complement that data set with uh, what we call MWS or operations data in Amazon. And for those that don't know, uh, that's really kind of the, the lifeblood of your, of your Amazon business, right? It's going to tell you how your sales are on the platform, how your inventory is looking, you know, the fees that Amazon are take, is taking from you so you can understand profitability. Um, but we go, again, way beyond that where we're not trying to just be a connector to the data because there are going to be other folks that do that a lot better than we do. And we we're fully aware of that. I think where we can provide a ton of value to agencies and, and now brands also that are looking for this data internally to do their own reporting, as well as actually investment firms. We've gotten approached by quite a few investment firms that are, you know, mm. either, either facilitating uh, transactions in the space where, you know, people are gobbling up FBA businesses or brands that have a major Amazon component, or they're looking to acquire them for themselves. Uh, they are plugging into the data and going, well, how can I assess the health of this business? And, and that's true for agencies and brands, too, when they're first plugging in. And without that operational data component, uh, you really can't understand how your Amazon performance is, is, is truly standing. Um, so that's, that's what we're tackling next is we're doing some really cool stuff with the MWS data where we're able to uh, enable insights like customer lifetime value without having to pull two years of manual data, you know, segmenting new versus repeat customers. So you can understand the buying behavior and the quality of that revenue uh, that, that's coming in through Amazon. That's facilitating that stepped up nature of your organic ranking within the SERP, right? Within the Amazon search results page. Um, all these important factors that are starting to come, come together where, Amazon is just really a beast of its own. And there are going to be other marketplaces out there that are going to have a similar model, Walmart included, where the handshake of your operations uh, and your marketing is, is really, really tight, where this doesn't really exist on Google, you know, mm -hmm. in particular, where if you get a conversion in search, it's not affecting your organic SEO of your website. Right. Not the case in Amazon. So if you get a conversion in advertising, it's informing your ranking you know, within, within your SEO, within the preach, SEO. Sam, preach. I'm going to have yeah, all man. my clients listen to this. I'm going to have it, all my clients it, listen to this episode. You've got to understand both. And, and it, it's not, it's not just a, you know, one feeds the other. It's also literally, if you run out of stock, what happens? 
well, you can't run advertising. So the agency, whoever you're working with is screwed. Um, you're going to tank your overall performance and it's going to take a ton of time to recover. And so, you know, there are just these, what we, what we call operational marketing components. And, and I don't know if that's like a trademark term or coined by anybody else. We've been talking about it for a long time because it's really the idea that your teams that didn't have to talk together before sales operations didn't always have to talk to marketing they now have to communicate in a very different way and they have to do that through the data. And we, yep. we've been preaching about this for a while because it creates it's this totally new paradigm where marketplaces are going to require that kind of uh, communication internally within these brands and without the data kind of in front of them to be able to do that and start making these connections between, you know, well, how much am I paying to acquire a new customer on a term that has nothing to do with my brand, what we would call a brand agnostic or non-brand term? Okay, well, if that's $20 to acquire that new customer and I'm only making 30 on them on that average order value, I'm not going to, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm going to lose money after Amazon takes their fees. But hold the phone. You're not thinking about what the lifetime value of that customer is to you over time right? You're not thinking about, well, it creates the momentum it creates the, the, the ranking it's informing, but also if you can get that customer to be a repeat customer for you on average, maybe that customer is worth about a hundred dollars to you over the lifetime that they spend uh, with your brand. Well, that, that $20 to acquire that customer now, now looks a lot more economical on a, on a per unit basis or on a per uh, customer basis. And uh, it changes the conversation about how you think about your marketing investment and how you think about the channel. And I think this is very much going to be the case in other marketplaces as well. I love that. I, I am someone that, as I've gotten better at it, um, absolutely just love using data to drive conversations with brands i'm trying to get them to make leaps you know we're in a we're in a wild west space we're in a space that a lot of people fear the pandemic has sped that sped that along a little bit but i've been banging my head against the wall for nine years you know convincing people of of how this thing works and um overcoming all the content out there that's you know anti-amazon and uh it's just people that don't understand how it works uh, and, you know, they're like, well, why would I want to drive traffic to Amazon when I can drive traffic to my website? Well, there's pros and cons to each, uh, you know, like well, Amazon's going to convert 20 percent or 20 times higher than your website. Number one, mm -hmm. that could be one. Number two, what if what if those customers wouldn't come to you anyway and they already live on Amazon? What, what do you want to do about the millions of customers that are already captively there? buying buying your competitors products right yeah right. sorry i didn't mean to no in, no yeah. i love it i'll hire you yeah. if you're ready to come. so <laughs> yeah. uh you know no that's the game and it's you know it's this conversation back and forth and trying to get brands to uh you know understand what's going on and uh for me it's been how do i get this data out of my head you know uh out of an excel sheet be able to use it to communicate to make drive decisions um down to tracking keywords from what our, what's our advertising strategy. Um, you know, Marknology became an Amazon agency advertising partner. We're one of, of the 60, we're one of two that are uh, service-based. So we're, we're proud of that. We're, you know, it's, uh, it's usually the Dash applications and, and companies like Techometrics that are becoming those partners um, because of just the data and the ability to um, control that. But it's it's understanding. I mean, in the early days, people didn't believe in Amazon SEO. I, and it might seem like silly now, but I'm telling you, in the forums, in the chats, in the groups, in the, uh, it, it was an argument. You know, is Amazon SEO a thing? Now it's Bible, pretty much, that the advertising and the organic rank are tied together. And, you know, your advertising drives that organic rank. Uh, and so uh, now it's like, duh. Uh, you know, and, and trying right. to get brands to understand right. what we're getting whenever we when we have a 25 percent a cost, what that actually means. It's it's more than just the ROI of that sale. It's driving organic. And I can show you that by tracking these keywords and show you that by tracking the difference in sales that come from ads versus the sales that come from organic. And we can see organic rising because we're targeting these terms. And, you know, just be, but you need all the data to make that conversation real um, and palatable. Yeah. 
Totally. And, uh, you know, I think we were, we were actually on with the Amazon API team today with a couple of their marketing folks and a product manager. And they, they really are making honest efforts to reach out to, to some of their users and some of their customers, you know, on, on both sides of the fence to uh, better understand, like, how can we, and it's obviously with their own gains in mind, but it, you know, better understand how can we facilitate better understanding of, of your advertising spend and where you should be investing dollars. And, you know, we started talking about that, the data points that would be really crucial to have, you know, that Holy grail of, can you show me how my advertising spend is affecting my organic, my organic ranking? Well, that'd be huge, right? Like we would love that data point and we're starting to see glimpses of that in the brand analytics. And I know this is very Amazon centric, so I don't want to focus too much on the Amazon stuff for other, our other uh, startup folks, but you know, one, one thing I'll back up maybe and in, in, is just useful for everybody to understand too is it's definitely not just about, uh, it's, it's certainly not just about, you know, how profitable we are on the Amazon channel. You know, Amazon has far reaching uh, effects well beyond their own platform. Um, if you search a brand, if they have any amount of presence on the Amazon platform, it's often that their Amazon listing is going to show up second or third in the Google results. And so that's a really interesting uh, dynamic that gets created just by the pure volume of traffic that Amazon drives, because ultimately, whether you think you're on Amazon or not, somebody's probably selling your products and probably owning your brand conversation in a way that maybe you're not even aware of. So that number two or number three Google result that comes up for your brand when somebody searches your brand and that Amazon listing pops up, if you're not owning that content, you're letting somebody else tell your own brand story because ultimately a huge proportion of traffic we know, uh, I won't spit out the numbers, but there, there's there's a massive proportion of the online shopping traffic that goes to Amazon first. It's it's a very high percentage of cost, of customers that start their shopping journey on Amazon. And if you aren't owning that presence and you're not telling your brand story the way you want to tell it, somebody else is, and it could be leaving a bad brand impression uh, on, on your behalf. And I think that's why just owning the channel, even if it's not from a, from a performance aspect, you should at least own it from a content aspect. And Amazon's doing a better job of making that possible. Um, you know, we talk about owning the customer. They're opening up DSP, which is a, their demand side platform for display advertising, where you can start building audiences. Um, you're getting some glimpses into your customer data, some of the geo-targeting. Um, so there's some light uh, on the horizon, I think, about around just visibility into that customer and, and at least the ability to talk to that customer somehow, some way. Yep. And that's been something that I've like really focused on uh, in my time uh, focusing on Amazon has been as Amazon's released the brand tools, the ability to storytell. I've been all in on those um, yep. and being an agency that knows what's going on, knows what the value adds are um, and being excited, honestly excited about it. You know, as Amazon's given brands more control, there's more that we can do. Uh, and more we can do, you know, you were talking about brand protection, essentially, by owning your shelf space mm -hmm. on Amazon, there's that brand protection part, even if you don't want to be an offense, um, you know, having a good defense uh, can be important too, and just making sure that there's no huge drop off between someone engaging with your brand in brick and mortar or on web, uh, or coming to Amazon, just seeing a horrible experience with those products. Amazon built trust uh, in the wild west of e commerce. You know, and that's why people go there first. If you think about it, it's all about trust. Um, and so w why reinvent the wheel? You know, people are there. Uh, Jeff has done the work to make people trust his site, his marketplace. Yeah. Right. And it's not just Amazon brands. There's every brand you can think of there. Um, and so that work is done, which is what you're trying to do on a website with a web page trying to get a conversion rate anyway, is to build trust to get them to say yes. Uh, why reinvent that wheel, go where, uh, uh, the marketplace that has America's trust, uh, mm -hmm. and invest there at the very least invest in getting someone that knows it to tell you what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, and then making an informed decision. Uh, for me, I, I don't even argue with brands or clients anymore. You know, it's essentially like, I understand where you're at. It's not like a, a pushback. We'll do whatever that requires but i'm like i know this to be true uh you know regardless of content out there media when you've done something nine years you know you're all in it you know what's you know what's going on 
and and i use i say hey guys like we don't have to guess about what customers are searching to find our products we can use the data to tell us exactly what they're searching when they find our products we can use the data to exactly tell us what to focus on um and amazon's making that more and more and more available uh we're in a we're in a um part of the attribution beta right and that's something that is getting better and better i think they just added a new feature that i'm pretty excited about which tra tracks mobile traffic a lot better um but there was even things we were doing before attribution came around and uh i've always known that off amazon traffic benefited amazon listings in a big big way didn't have the ability to prove it right unless, unless you maybe had an affiliate tag to st stick in there somewhere right yeah, right yeah. right and you're <laughs> yeah. getting some kind of loop uh some kind of loop back uh and now there's the amazon associates and the different things going on or i had coupon code redemptions that i was using back in the day uh someone redeemed a coupon we track it back to facebook or instagram and so so workarounds but uh it's not that we didn't know it it's that the industry is catching up right and now they're like okay we have the data to prove this or we have the data to prove that and that's where dash comes in um and really allows you to maybe for the first time uh in amazon days of, of selling on amazon have real accurate data that's helping you drive your decisions um setting you in a spot to i don't know what you coined it as operational marketing, marketing. Mm -hmm. okay operational marketing um is so real i used to describe it as you know, I'm trying to talk to someone that doesn't understand Amazon, but they're they're trying to know more. And I'm like, there's like a hundred levers, uh, you know, on Amazon, whether it's like stock or it's um, conversion rate or it's images or it's you know response time or it's shipping time or it's reviews, um, reviews or it's yeah, yeah your mm -hmm. conversion rate and click through rate and engagement on reviews and video and what are there's a hundred levers mm -hmm. and just imagine that. And the closer we get to a ten out of ten on each of those. The more Amazon rewards us, yeah. you know, and so you don't start with a hundred out of a hundred, uh, you know. But how many of these levers can we get to a level ten status? And when we do that, we're going to see success. And that is just like slow work, day in and day out, working on accounts to get those tens. You know, you're taking something from a five to a ten, um, and the data helps us know what to focus on, what to focus on, when to focus on it. Um, I just get excited about it because it makes it makes uh, what I'm doing that much easier to to get brands excited. Yeah. And, you know, what's what's really exciting to me, too, is it is still day one, as Amazon mm -hmm. would say, man. It, it, and that's reflected in some folks' perception of the platform. You know, oh, Amazon is, you know, is going to ruin my brand. And, and for some, it's not the right platform. But that's just a that's also just a sign that how early it is yet for people just to understand where Amazon fits. And, you know, you think about all of the platforms and layers of information and intelligence that get layered onto Google and CRMs and all these other things that you can, you can see some of those pathways starting to, you know, evolve within the Amazon marketplace. And I think they are, they are perfectly, uh, I guess they perfectly benefit from in enabling that data access, right? In, in the same way other industries did too. Google started opening up their data, you know, Facebook opened up their graph APIs and things like that. It's the same, it's, it's, it's the same principle in the sense that the more data you share, the more confident people will feel about the platform and the better decisions that they can make. And they're willing to invest more. Um, yeah. And that's, that's just, it's key for them. And that's why you've seen such a fast evolution, especially within the advertising segment of Amazon, because guess what? It prints money for them. You know, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it just, it's silly how much margin they make on their advertising uh, division, you know? So yeah, they're going to continue to invest there. And I think you'll probably see less pressure for those folks that are worried about Amazon, you know, basically stealing their data, replicating their product and swiping their legs out from underneath of them. Amazon doesn't make that much money on their products. Think about it. I mean, just from a pure scale and, and profit margin standpoint, like it doesn't behoove them to continue making products that make them, you know, 50 cents of margin. Right. Uh, it behooves them to continue growing DSP where they take pure cash as part of running a, a campaign uh, and pay per click, which is a digital asset for them that they're paying for servers. That's it.
and, and that's as well you know right? so if you look from the from the business yeah oh and by the way everybody uses aws their own tech stack so i mean it's 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 beautifully integrated it's a i mean they really are eating the world in in that sense and i think if any there's any risk for amazon it truly probably is uh, congressional pressures. I mean, ultimately, they're going to run into some monopoly conversations. It'll probably happen in the EU first. And uh, you've already seen some of those hearings here in the United States. And that's just the nature of a giant. You know, they're going to, they're, they're that big, you know, where, where governments have to start taking, you know, paying attention. And Amazon is not necessarily vertically integrated. They are so horizontally integrated into fields that you wouldn't even imagine. I mean, they have the largest logistics footprint of any company in the mm-hmm. entire world, right? Like, and, and it's, it's, it's space, but it's also network where they're able to run so much more efficiently. And so it's just, it's just an interesting case study for all entrepreneurs, I think, just to understand, like, it's not just about their marketplace. It's about every single segment that they're in that you probably don't even know about um, that is facilitating synergies for them, uh, both from a profit margin standpoint, as well as just from what can I do and what can I leverage? And how valuable is it to know how those systems are working? I mean, for who, you know, I guess for, for For brands, for brands to understand that, that platform. Like I think, uh, yeah, I think Amazon, if you talk about like the evolution of the last 10 years on Amazon, selling on Amazon, Amazon got trust by doing one P uh, vendor central and they got brands to come on. They didn't have to give analytics because it still was just don't. another PO. It <laughs> was just another don't. PO, right? There's another yeah. uh, retail channel. And then, but they're wanting to move more profitable to where they're getting three P sellers to take on that learnings for brands to be able to want to do it, where they're going to have to pay a marknology or someone in house or someone to learn it. Uh, they're like, well, we need data. We need, you know, we want to be able to tell our brand story. We need branding. We need these things. So Amazon's been evolving to meet that, to create a great customer experience again, because now they're not creating the experience. They want the brands to create the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like, why are they releasing these tools now? Well, that's because they've went from one P which got them all the trust because they were able to control uh, how everybody received products and the timeliness. And if they uh, swallowed refunds or sent out replacements, they had all the control they had already bought the products and then no now it's on the on the sellers and so they're you know making those requirements harder and all those things but it's like you know it's so genius in my mind as far as you know and i've, I've kind of built my business in the same way uh yeah. if i'm gonna be uh you know doing business on the amazon platform build it in such a way that it evolves with the platform in regards to horizontal growth from yeah. you know the first time we started offering photography in-house um, knowing how valuable on that platform between the advertising and just the conversion rate, the photography was, I was like, this is, this is a must, this is a must to be, you know, on that platform. So I can get carried away, but I just, I look at some people look at Amazon with angst and I look at it, you know, with, uh, just Basil says, says it best, right? He's like, you can either look at it as a headwind or a tailwind. You decide, you know, you decide which way you want to ride. Right. And, uh, you know, started with a couple textbooks in a garage as all good stories do. So yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating case study and, you know, going to be around for a long time. Yeah. A lot of, and, and, you know, just take a second here to talk to talk about our sponsor, uh, full scale.io. Um, they help you build a software team and, you know, not everyone has a need like that's Amazon API focused or whatever, but, um, if you're a smaller team, you don't have these skill sets, you don't have Amazon skill sets, you don't have database building uh, ways to interpret what you're doing. Fullscale.io is a great way uh, to scale up quickly and, and build out your team in a way with experienced people. Um, once again, guys, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Sam, let's change directions just a little bit. Let's talk about Sam, the man. Uh, well, first, you know. I was just going to say, I mean, we might have to be getting in touch with full scale. Speaking of scale, because we have some development needs ourselves. So I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah, Matt, sure. uh, Matt DeCourcy is the founder, and he's also, you know, the, one of the main yeah. hosts on the podcast. He's been my mentor for several years. I'll give him a little plug here. He's been my mentor for several years and, and ultimately brought me on the show as an e-commerce host. Um, brilliant brilliant and um can really help you systemize and organize your people um in regards to getting people in the right places and your systems in place he's uh 
you know, his first, uh, his first business was, um, ticket based business, online ticket sales. And then he went to Gigabook and now he's done full scale and a whole bunch of different things. He has his hands everywhere. Um, but I like to think of him as kind of the hacker type. And, uh, you know, I'm more of like the, uh, blue collar, like workhorse, <laughs> sure, you know? Sure. And so, uh, as a mentor, as a friend, as a colleague, great, uh, you know, great person to talk to, even if you're not doing business, great, great guy to see things from a different perspective, uh, on your problems and what's going on. So a uh, little Matt DeCourcy plug, but he's, he's one of our, our main hosts here on the show. And we are actually doing a, a late night show tonight. So I think we're going to, we're going to go live and talk about prime day, all things prime day. Um, but fullscale.io, it can be, uh, if you have development needs, they're there. And it's, uh, as someone that's in the Amazon space, I'm busy as ever um and tech and the pandemic has sped everything up people are hard to find uh mm-hmm. and quality people that show up um and put in the hours fullscale.io is a great great place to start yeah i might have to have a little chat with matt sooner than later here yeah so let me know i'll make that connection Very um good. but to talk about sam the man uh you know what are some things you're in colorado it's during the pandemic we've talked about what you're focusing on with dash as an entrepreneur as a co-founder um Let's be a little personal here. Just like, what are you working on, um, you know, yourself to grow as a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur um, this year? Yeah, great question. I mean, first and foremost, you know, being desk bound like we are uh, working from home, you, you have to really focus on the physical and mental health every day. You can't really let it slide, you know, so I've really focused on just having a routine that I stick to, you know, I, I try to get up relatively early. I have my coffee, I read uh, my business books in the morning, you know, something just interesting that's going to get my mind churning a little bit. Um, you know, try to work out every single day, try some new things, We've, you know, gotten into some rock climbing and I'm a, I'm a fly fisherman. So I try to get okay. out, you know, when the season's right. And um, I think fresh air, you know, for me is, is super important. As far as the business stuff goes, you know, I, we have, we have gotten a long ways, um, you know, with just pure grit, kind of the blue collar style, I think is our style as well. But, um, you know, we're at that point where we know we have something and we have some questions that we can't answer for ourselves, you know, and I've never been great about reaching out to folks and, you know, really looking at my network and going, you know, who, who can I go to for some advice? And so I think a big, big factor for growth for me right now is like, look, you gotta, you gotta have people. And you got to lean on people. And I've got great people, you know, in my network. I just, I don't do a good job of reaching out when, you know, when, when I should be. And so we've started doing that. You know, we've got some really great folks. Uh, One guy I'll shout out in particular is Matt Early. He's a CMO at Havenly, absolute rock star. And, um, you know, was actually early on the growth team for Drizzly, which is the alcohol delivery uh, company that went, that went pretty large. Havenly is very much so a tech darling here in, in Colorado, very, uh, a shining star. And, um, you know, I reached out to him because I was like, look at, we've, we've got something and we just, we know that it can be, and we know what it can be. We just, there are some questions here in between that we need a little guidance on, you know, and, and, and it's a good example of just, you, you have to, you have to question yourself constantly. Um, I think one of the one of the books that I'm reading right now is called The Road Less Stupid, which was a great recommendation from a friend of mine named Zach D- uh, Duckworth, who has a, a digital agency here in Boulder called Digizen. And he's like, look, check this book out because... You know, for all the you obviously you've probably read a ton of books too, Andrew, that are a little bit you know uh, prescriptive and like hey, maybe there's you know some of the wishy washy advice and just some gurus you know that are spitting out advice. This guy, I haven't gotten too far into it yet, but I think the 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 one thing he's focusing on right away is thinking time in the day. And I think as an entrepreneur, you know, I I can spend all day long doing stuff. But I don't spend enough time prioritizing what are the most important things that I need to be doing for my business. And some of that is just sitting down and thinking, you know, before acting and just trying to make things happen and move and push things through. And, and we have a pretty good balance of like checking, you know, is this a good decision? How can we validate this? We're not great at the software piece yet because we need to get better at, you know, being a little bit more agile and and kind of lean in that feedback loop. So, you know, just taking some time to sit down and think on a mm-hmm. day and, and putting some good questions in front of yourself. What are the questions that are really important for us? And I think 
I'm relentlessly pursuing a couple of questions right now about scale. Like, can we scale from this, from this architecture standpoint and, you know, how can we maintain a really good customer experience? And then thirdly, you know, what are we going to become in the eyes of our customers and within the marketplace um, or in the ecosystem of all our competitors and the landscape that everybody's assessing here as Amazon continues to evolve and shift. Um, and we're starting to hone in on that on the on those answers. It just it's going to take an army, not a you know not just a couple little villagers that that we've yeah. been thus far. You know, so we need our tribe. And um, that there's that's a little bit of a cliche thing, but it's true. Uh, we we just have to gather good people around us at this point, so we um, we have some good guidance. No, that's that's awesome, and thank you for sharing. Um, uh, on the on the on my last podcast, I was talking about something so similar, you know, and the mindset piece of evaluating yourself and your circle constantly, you know, do you have people around you? I know on the asking for help thing, Sam, for me, it was once I had something to give, uh, I felt more inclined to ask for, for help or assistance, you know? Uh, and so whether that was a network or Amazon advice or e-commerce, whatever it was, I had more to give than I used to. And so I had to break that habit. Um, and the other one was, um, how do you make better decisions? And to do that, you need space, you need time, you need thinking time. And you know, it, it's these little habits you create that then create the the, the space for that, you mm -hmm. know, um, whether it's your morning routine, whether it's, uh, you know, having some 15 minutes to decompress from meeting to meeting and, uh, you know, whether it's walks around the block twice a day to get some air, you know, uh, what are you doing to create that those changes uh, that you need? And scalability is the biggest topic that all all entrepreneurs are facing, and um, at some point, you know. And so, how do you do it? How do you be realistic about it? For me, in the mentorship, like before I met Matt DeCourcy, uh, I have like maybe three mentors now, and for the longest time, I didn't because. Uh, I didn't want to accept advice from someone that wasn't patient enough to listen to my business. Mm -hmm. And there was this generic advice. There was someone giving me agency advice, ad agency advice. I'm like, that's not my customer. That's not my business. That's not my customer. That's not my business. Why am I taking any advice from someone that hasn't done what I've done? Um, and so it was finding the right voices to listen to. Um, whether that's them getting a, a clear grasp on your business or me arriving at, I can take advice that's not specifically tailored to me and put it through the filter of what I'm doing and arrive with the advice I need. Uh, you know, when you're like in something like this space that we're in, that's literally getting created as we speak, um, things like Thrasio.io, you know, and mm -hmm. wow, big, big, big topics. Um, it can become a little daunting to be like, well, where do I go next? And I think that for you, uh, you created this company based on your knowledge yourself of what you had been doing in the agency world. And now you're going to have to create the next chapter for this company based on what other people are telling you they're going through in the space. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be a little bit different from internal and gut and like that need. Um, you're going to need to get those answers in a different way. Yeah, you're totally, you hit it on the head. I mean, it's it's the evolution of the business where we've moved beyond what we experienced firsthand. Now, mm -hmm. you know, now we're, although we have good instincts, you know, in the space and, you know, I have to shout out Todd too, Todd Vandersell, my co-founder, you know, he's, he's a couple of years my senior and he's, he's been some places, you know, man, he, he's worked heavy corporate. He was way up you know, within Amazon, um, you know, about probably about the third tier in Amazon as an executive. And, you know, I met Todd four and a half years ago and I knew immediately he's somebody I wanted to work with because I knew I could learn from him. And I, I wanted to have some adults in the room around me as, as we started to build some things. And, you know, that has proven very true. And, and, you know, it's, it's a funny dynamic. I, you know, we, we've, he's been my boss who interviewed and hired me into that first agency. He's been my friend. He's been my co-founder and my, you know, my partner in this business now. And, you know, and we're at some different stages in life, but there's, it, it's really cool um, just to be able to kind of be in the trenches together on it. And, you know, so in some ways we've got each other, which is really important. I think, I think I realized that I would never be able to do this um, without good people having started and, and Todd in particular, you know, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't do this alone. 
you know, and there's, there's some strength in numbers. And, and obviously, you know, for anybody that has tried to solo found a company, they know how hard it is, you know, because you just don't have that other person there that is also going through those ups and downs. You know, we haven't taken a paycheck from Dash ever. And Dash has been in existence for over two and a half years. So it's, we're, we're there, you know, for, from that, everybody says, you know, startups about seven years and we're tracking pretty well to that, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, it's going to be five years before we really know uh, kind of where we stand and what we're trying to do, whether there's an exit strategy. I mean, we certainly have ideas about that, but it, it, it is, you know, you're not exempt from having to do the work and you got to have good people in the trenches with you. And I certainly have that. So I'm, I'm very fortunate in that regard. And one thing to piggyback on that is, you know, you talked, we started the show with your, your history and, you know, the thing, the second in command here, second in command here, I tried this or I wanted to learn programming or, um, if you hadn't been at that first agency, you wouldn't have met Todd, who's now maybe at your fifth project, uh, your partner and your friend. Um, and someone could look at the first four as being failures or temporary successes, whatever you want to look at them as, right? It's that action step to just go and do and learn. Um, and four or five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you're now creating a business with that person or investing mm-hmm. together or, um, and those are just the things that you have to just kind of step in faith. Uh, if I can use that word, mm-hmm. um, just step out and do, uh, you can think about things all day long. Um, I, I, I'm going to go down a tangent just for a second because this do one's it. fire, but do it. I was talking to, uh, my, my roommate and my business partner. I own a property management business as well here in Kansas city. We have about 20 or so Airbnbs and 50 properties. And it's been kind of my, like, what if all of Amazon goes to shit kind of plan? And, you know, he's, uh, his background is military intelligence. And so his job for seven years was as a captain was like, you know, get, uh, get all the information together, you know, create a plan. This is what happens if the plan works This is what happens if the plan doesn't work, you know, great partner for me, obviously. Uh, and you know, and we moved into this house to be able to collaborate off hours when I'm done with the agency, I'm coming back home, we can get some debrief time. And so we were having one of those moments where we were just chatting And, uh, you know, I was telling him, I'm just like, I think one of the main differences between me and everyone else, as someone at 33, I say everyone else generically, okay, but uh, like at 33, I've done a whole lot of life for a 33 year old, I've just done a lot of things. I've been a goer, like do, 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 do. And because of that, I've failed a lot. I've learned a lot. I've experienced a lot. And what I've learned is a plan at best is just 50% which is still a failing grade, if the plan is perfect, right? It's the other 50% of what happens when you get punched in the face, you know, the cliche saying, but it's true. And so when you know that, um, it allows you to, it's not that you're fearless. It's just that you know that at the end of the day, stuff's going to happen and uh, life's going to hit you in the face or business is going to hit you in the face or personnel or someone gets sick or any number of things happen. And it's what you do then it's what what happens when a pandemic happens it's what happens when you know amazon's api closes off it's what happens when uh you know amazon shuts down for a week or who knows what's going to happen you know like this is the year of the unknowns and you know so many people have to have a plan to take action you know before they can do it It has to be completely outlined what's next what's coming up and I just prepare to be prepared for whatever happens, right? Like, how can I have my mindset and my health and my energy and alignment with myself so that if I can't use logic to make a decision, I can use my gut to make a decision and my guts in alignment because I've been working on those things, you know, before the time comes. So it's a little bit, a little bit of a rabbit hole, no, but I think it, it's super big for, for talking about what's next. You know, It, it is. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Todd and I got the chance to spend some time. I took him fly fishing for the first time uh, a couple of weekends ago. And, you know, you get a long drive out there and you get to, you just finally, and of course we're talking about work the entire way up and, you know, we're, we're just, uh, you know, doing what we do. And um, ultimately I, you know, I just told him, I said, look, I already feel like we've won. You know, we, to, if you really have, and we talk a lot about growth mindset and that's been in the space for a long time, but what that means for me is like, what, what are your expectations? You know, and for me, I realized that just by taking this step, uh, I was learning and, mm-hmm. and I'm a, I'm a person which I'm, I'm sure this is probably true for you too. 
the second I feel comfortable or stagnant is the second I'm unhappy. Um, you know, and, and I've realized that that was just true for me. So as much as I talk about like, oh, I, you know, I hadn't really had my own thing, you know, until now, it was also an element of like, I always felt like I was learning. So I was never dissatisfied with being the second admin or being hired as an account coordinator four and a half years ago in, a, in an Amazon agency, making less money than I had ever made coming out of college, you know, because I knew that I trusted myself, you know, to be able to just work really hard and learn the business and, and accelerate pretty quickly. But also that it was going to be, you shouldn't really feel like it's a step back ever because you cannot possibly understand what those skills, what those, what those little events and, and the experiences that you're having are going to add up to and are going to inform later in your life. You know, you mentioned just the wide variety of experiences and I've had some too, you know, where I've really put myself into some odd situations and that was really intentional because I think the best people are really born out of some struggle and out of some adversity and you get some character and some grit and, and some, um, you know, some backbone to be able to understand like, look, if this all falls apart today, how are you going to feel? Well, number one, I, I feel super grateful that I've had the opportunity and I feel super grateful that I get to work on this every single day. I don't hold that. I don't hold that in mind every single day. There are certainly days when I'm like, man, <laughs> like I could take a day off, you know, but I also realize the opportunity that I have. And I, I kind of try to wake up every day and, and meditate on the fact that like, look, don't leave anything on the table. You know, you may not get this chance again mm -hmm. and you might, and that's okay. You know, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it leaving, but I want to know if this falls apart tomorrow that I did everything I could. Um, and I think if you have that approach, you never feel like, oh, it was a failure. You know, I don't, I don't really like even thinking about that word because I think that's, that's that negative self-talk that really actually defines the experience for you as opposed to like, whoa, but wait a second, that one person you met or that one thing you learned or the skills that you don't even realize that you gathered through that are informing every single possibility for you moving forward. So I try to think about it as like, look, we're already ahead, you know, we're already that. ahead. Success is perspective. You yeah. know, it's everyone's successes can be measured differently. And, um, me and my sister who helps me run my business, um, we've made a promise to always be, um, to try to remain comfortable being uncomfortable and make change a constant in our lives. Um, even as we age, you know, we love to travel together and things like that. And, you know, making promises to just never let those kind of things go because travel is something that makes you uncomfortable, uh, a different aspects of it. You can be comfortable, Agreed. but it's still uncomfortable. Agreed. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I love fishing too. It's, it's one of my big disconnects. I don't know how to fly fish. Uh, but I do know the rest of it, the lakes and the ocean and stuff. Um, so that was fun that you guys, you know, just chatting that on the way down there. But this mindset stuff, I almost always try to end with a little bit of mindset talk because for me, it's everything. I mean, that's been my only challenge has been uh, my mindset around my own growth or I honestly have a hard time thinking of failures because I just don't label them that way. I label them as something else. So I'm like going into a different bucket of memories uh, that I'm just like, okay, I'll try to come up with something that someone else might label as a failure, you know, so that I can say something. Mm -hmm. But I'm honestly like, I, yeah, I, it, I that, lost that the comes, money. It's, I, it's definition. Money. It's yeah. definition. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it is. And I, for me, it's about finding gratitude first, because right. if you start there, uh, like I'm fortunate to have partners and customers like you like Marconology on the other side. I'm fortunate to be able to know you and have this chance to be on the podcast. And I never would have that otherwise, you know, and unless you take a moment to just slow down and, and recognize that that came as a fruit of this, like, cool, you know, thank you. Like, thanks universe. Thanks Andrew for having me. And that's, if I can walk away from the day like that every single day and at least try to start my day like that, um, it, you tend to have more good days than bad days for sure. Sam, I think we have to end with that. Uh, that was beautifully said. And uh, I'll be in Colorado soon. Got quite a few clients out there. As soon as like uh, this pandemic lifts, I'm trying to make some some rounds and I'll have to have you uh, show me how to fly fish. I heard I've got, of something a, I've got a rod for you. I've got a rod okay. for you for sure. I, uh, I'm good at fishing. I just haven't done fly fishing yet. So I know there's a lot to learn. Um, I'd love to come out and see you guys and, and, and uh, you know, explore Colorado a little bit. 
uh thanks for being on the show so much i know we'll have you back uh dash is going to continue to grow and um i i plan to know what's going on uh, along the way so thanks again for being on the show happen. and thanks again to our our sponsor fullscale.io helping you build software teams quickly and affordably uh you guys have a great night thanks andrew appreciate it bye everybody Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.